Welcome to Lockhead on Marketing, where we're trying the world's first marketing pod storm. 30 days of strategies and ideas to help you create the future of your choosing. Hey ho, let's go. Thanks for pressing play. I'm so glad you're here, and I sure hope that you are enjoying our first ever marketing pod storm. And every Friday, we've been doing a live Q&A session on Facebook, on our uh, Facebook group. And we've been taking your questions and uh, happy to have you send us questions to blackhole at lockhead.com. And we have one more of these sessions left in the pod storm. That's next Friday. And next Friday is the 12th of uh, June, 2020. And joining me is our legendary producer, Jason DeFilippo, as uh, we answer your questions. My friends at Oracle NetSuite are the number one complete cloud business system. Visit netsuite.com slash different today. And my friends at splunk.com want to help you bring data to everything. That's S-P-L-U-N-K.com slash D, the number two, the letter E. Now, your questions and our slightly sober answers. Hey-ho, let's go. Do you think the gig economy will evolve into displaced creative hubs that favor collaboration and co-creation? If I understand your que- question, I think the answer is yes. The The term gig economy has gotten a lot of negative heat. I mean, a lot of positive as well, but a lot of negative because, you know, uh, there's a podcast that I listen to all the time where uh, the two hosts are old and grumpy and, and geeky. And, and they, they like to bitch about how certain gig economy companies don't treat their people very well and treat them as employees and give them health care and medical. And so um, I don't know. You know anything about that, Jace? I wouldn't know anything about that. No, no. <laughs> I, I, I want to hear your take on the gig economy before I chime in on this, because I think you know a lot of, a lot of my answers on this. Yeah, I think... I think I'm with you on some of that stuff. And and I think we might differ a little bit. Here's where I'm with you. I I think that um, a lot of these employees uh, are employees, not contractors. Mm -hmm. And um, I think some of these companies could do a lot more for a lot of these employees. And, um, and I think that's right. And I think uh, things like healthcare are critical. I think uh, things like uh, 401ks and, 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 you know, time off, paid time off for, you have a baby and you know, all these kinds of things. And so if you're a, you know, uh, an Uber driver and you're working some, I, I don't know what the right metric is. And, I don't, and I'm obviously not a lawyer, so I don't know what the law says, but, but just a good person looks at it and goes, you know, if this is your job job and you're, you know, you're working, you're hustling in this job. You know, it's one thing if you do it for a couple hours on the weekend and it's your mad money or whatever it is, right? It's a part-time fun thing, your quote unquote high side hustle. That's that's one thing. But if it's really like a job job, then um, you know, I think I think the benefits of an employee are something that needs to get seriously looked at. What I what I love about the gig economy, if if you if you open it up bigly, you know, uh Jason and I are part of the gig economy, right? We're independent contractors who uh, engage with customers and clients when we want to. And so I think Kevin Maney in his book, Unscaled, talked about becoming a personal enterprise, which is sort of a highfalutin way to say this. But I think technology gives us an opportunity to have more agency around our work and, and, and to be, you know, a some people call it a youpreneur or a solopreneur or a personal enterprise or whatever you want to call it. 
Uh, and, and we take responsibility for our career. We take responsibility for our financial security. And we, we decide the kind of work we want to do with the kind of people we want to do it. And we decide when and where the fuck we want to do that. And so I, I like that part of it. And so I think we're going to see a lot more of that. I think as a result of C19 and distributed mobile remote work and all of these things and people asking, why do I really need all this office space and all that sort of stuff? I think we might see an increase in sort of people becoming solopreneurs, youpreneurs, personal enterprises. And I think if, if people do it wisely, um, it's a very powerful career option. So, I mean, just to the question, uh, if they will in, it, like evolve into displaced creative hubs that favor collaboration and co-creation. It uh, depends on what kind of gig you're talking about, because that sounds like it's more for designers and creators, not the general gig economy, which is just like, I can sit my butt in a car for 10 hours and drive you around town. So it's a different thing. One thing that I've been toying with is trying to think about how you can have local co-ops for the gig economy. So say, I've got you know 50 guys in my neighborhood. They all have cars. They all want to drive. Those guys can form a co-op that then go to all of the local delivery services, all the local restaurants, and then have a way to deal with them directly instead of going to the big corporations like the DoorDashes, the Instacarts, and things like that, and just kind of making it more grassroots. So these guys then can have, you know, collective bargaining power to get themselves insurance, get themselves, you know, like better deals on childcare so they can go out and do it and make it more of a local type of enterprise instead of just saying, Okay, I've got a website, I've got a browser, I can go sign up for Uber and then just go out and make almost no money. You know, I, that's just something I've been toying around with, thinking that that might be something now that everything is being rebooted as far as society goes, that just might be something that people should look at as far as how the gig economy can work going forward. Because personally, me, myself, and my roommate and all of our friends in the neighborhood, we have stopped using the big apps to order food from our local restaurants because the the big apps take too much money and it's bad for the restaurant. So we only right. go to places that have their own delivery guys. And we know the delivery guys. You know, when we say hi, we talk about the kids. It's like fantastic. And imagine that just on a, you know, a community scale. So where you've got everybody is working together to kind of make this thing happen. Not on a global scale. You don't go into a town and run it out and say, hey, we're here to break the law and you're going to get Uber whether you like it or not. You're going to get a scooter whether you like it or not. It's like, let's all work with the local businesses and make this kind of more of a community thing. That's just something that I've been thinking about a lot lately because I got a lot of time on my hands since we're not going anywhere. And I think that's how I, I kind of see that as the future of the gig economy if somebody can get behind that and make it work. I think that would be wonderful, particularly if it leads to a broader sense of community and connection. Mm -hmm. You know, the average American doesn't know their neighbors. And, uh, you know, I had a 25 minute chat with my neighbor, Heather, this morning. And and that's mm -hmm. it, that feeling of community is wonderful. The other thing, Bradley, I'd say to you in this notion of collaboration and co-creation, you know, interestingly enough, that's the world Jason and I live in. That's the world, you know, um, uh, Eric lives in. That's the world that uh, the legendary Jamie J and Sarah Knox live in, right? And so if you want to be an author or a podcaster, uh, any kind of a creator, you probably have people that you work with in a distributed way in a team. And this notion that, that the future of work is going to look a lot more like the way a movie gets made and a lot less like a org chart 
that's been an idea that's been around for quite some time. And it's just sort of been progressing and progressing and progressing. And so I think there's a chance as a result of C19, a lot of companies are going to go, hmm, what's core and critical that we absolutely have to have? And what are resources that we love and we need and, and so forth and so on? But they don't have to work for us. We bring them in. They're legendary at these things. When we need, when we were doing these things, we work with them. And when, when, you know, and I think that also, you know, it leads to a niche down career. You become an expert in a highly valuable thing. You do that thing and only that thing. You know, it's essentially what I did in a lot of ways with my career. You know, I, I, I do today only the things that I am the best at and I don't do any of the other CMO shit. Right. So, so I think that's an evolution that is being accelerated because of C19 is the bottom line. You know, another thing that I would also like to say is if you're going to work in the gig economy, incorporate yourself. You should be a corporation. I have gotten more benefit out of being a corporation of me than being just a regular, you know, 1099 worker. You get a lot more protections and you get a lot more help from things like the government when things like this happen. If you're a corporation with a business history, you can you can go to the Small Business Association and they will help you. If you're just out there on your own, just getting a paycheck, you know, trying to, okay, I'm going to work for Instacart. I'm going to work for this, that, and the other thing. No, you, 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 you know, you want to hire me to go drive your Uber? You're hiring JPD Productions, mofo, to go drive your car. <laughs> and that way, you're protected for a lot of different things. And it doesn't cost that much money. And it is worth it in spades. Yep. Yep. Ab- absolutely. And the flexibility and the freedom. And uh, I don't, but uh, I know many people who work this way who have children uh, and the ability for for parents to co-parent if one or both are doing this, uh, the ability to be at the soccer game and all that stuff gets radically mm-hmm. transformed. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that come with it. My buddy Eddie Yoon went through this transformation. We wrote an article for HBR about it a while back. So it's a very powerful megatrend. I think it's going to be deeply accelerated because of C19. Celia S writes in, we are a startup looking to hire our first marketing person. What should we look for? Oh, this is always a tough one. So, (laughs) um, I think there's an aha here, Cecilia. And the aha is... I think this might always be true, but it's absolutely true in the early stages. Um, The CMO, at least at the strategic level, for the most part, should probably be the CEO. Um, So what you're looking for is somebody who can help um, craft the category strategy. And like, so somebody who can fly at 30,000 feet and is very comfortable and wants to get in the weeds. And this is why it's hard to find because you're going to need to do all those things we talked about uh, earlier in the discussion uh, and a lot more. And at the same time, you're going to have to empower the CEO. And so I think what you're looking for is a, and I know you're going to hate me for saying this, but it's a well-rounded marketing executive um, that can uh, put on a scuba suit and get go deep and can uh, put on a wingsuit and fly high. That is to say, um, air wars and ground wars, strategy and tactics. And um, I sort of hate to say this because I didn't come from this background, um, but generally those folks are found more in product marketing than in sort of uh, brand uh, or, or, or lead gen or quote unquote corporate marketing. Um, because they tend to have more of a GM, general manager type mentality. 
Um, but I think that's what you're looking for. And I think there's really at a high level, there's two types. There's the been there, done that gal and the, you know, uh, rising star. And, um, I think it really depends on your company. Both can work. The one caveat around the been there, done that types, particularly if their last CMO gig or two was at a bigger company, what you don't want is one of these assholes who can't get anything done and just speaks in platitudes and needs a bunch of people throwing rose petals in front of them and treating them like a big deal when in point of fact, all they do is take other people's work and present it to the executive team and board. So, so the last thing you want is sort of a suit. You want somebody who's willing to do some real work. I hope that helps. All right. We've got some questions about a lightning strike here from Sean P. Oh, I, Sean is one of a, a dear friend. He's been on the podcast. Um, he's a wonderful guy. Dr. Sean. All I right. Like call him. All right. Dr. Sean was not very verbose here. So we're going to say, I do have some questions for this week's Q&A. And when thinking about a lightning strike, should you try to put on your own event or capitalize on something else that's meaningful in your space, like a big convention? And what are some examples of lightning strike events for small e-entrepreneurs to be considering? All right, there. And hey, Eric, look, I tried to put some of Dr. Sean's question in here. Okay, so this is a big question. Um, so when thinking about a lightning strike, your own event or someone else's, in general, and this is not always true, I've done both. I like to do my own because I like to be in control of the environment and the situation and be the center of it. The problem with somebody else's event, you know, you think about the typical trade show. Well, if you go to a, the typical trade show and you don't have the biggest booth there, uh, you can have the unintended consequence of looking like a small player. Uh, and if you have just one of those pop-up looking booths and there's all these giant booths, then you've sort of shot yourself right in the wallet. Uh, and so um, you want to put yourself in an environment where um, you stand out and ideally stand alone. Now, there are situations, so, and, and that, that says, Dr. Sean, your own event or, or, or your own centering, uh, activity, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and on a, a recent episode, I talked about my buddy Joey, who runs Paradigm Sport here in town. It's a gym in town. Wonderful, amazing guy, incredible place, incredible people. And a couple of years ago, they had this idea for a lightning strike. And what they did was they did, um, uh, New Year's Day in September. And they had this event and they invited other local businesses that sort of had a connection to fitness in one way or another, uh, clothing stores and surf stores and, you know, things along those lines, uh, nutrition, energy bars and drinks and shit like that. So they put on their own little, little mini fest. Uh, and I believe it was right after Labor Day, if I remember correctly. And, and the POV for the lightning strike was most people set a New Year's resolution to get in shape and lose some weight. Well, why not do that in September? And that way, when Jan 1 comes, you'll be on fire. <laughs> and sort of that was the idea. And so he did his own event. And it wasn't a zillion-dollar event, but he included other companies. He got a little bit of PR. You know, he did, and he, made, and he got a band, and he got, and it, you know, all this stuff. And, and the, oh, and by the way, probably the most important thing was the people he invited were friends of existing customers. That was, and he invited others as well, but that was the primary drive because no matter what we do in marketing, we always have to remember the most powerful marketing 
is uh, word of mouth. And so that's an example of that. If you if there's an industry event or some other activity, um, some other event going on that you think might make sense, here's what I always like to do. Hijack it. Find a way to hijack it. Don't just buy a booth or go to the thing or do, don't do whatever everybody else is doing. You may do that, but do something that sets you apart. Throw a special party. Hire a bunch of actors to wear t-shirts with a provocative statement on them. Uh, give something cool away. Uh, do a room drop so that if everybody in the hotel or everybody at the event gets something from you that, that nobody else does. So do things that are creative and innovative that allow you to hijack the event so it makes it seem like you're everywhere, even if you're not. So Sean would like to know, how many marketing vehicles should be used in a strike? It feels like too many, especially for a small e-entrepreneur, is back to just peanut butter marketing. And should you plan a lightning strike when your product or service is something people need when they need it, but are likely to ignore the rest of their lives? For example, cancer treatment, physical therapy, or funeral arrangements. I don't know about <laughs> you. I generally don't like to watch funeral arrangement ads. <laughs> ads for funeral arrangements. Um. So uh, those kinds of companies, uh, we often call them event companies, That not event in terms of putting on a physical event, but they're, they're focused on a life event that happens. And a lot of the most powerful companies actually are event aggregators. Uh, an example of this would be the not.com. Uh, they're not just a place to uh, list your wedding. They bring together resources and all this stuff, and because because a wedding is in a is a life event that is an economic event, right? And so I, I think what you're trying to find are the people who are experiencing that life event. And so what I would do is I would go into digital places where it looks like those people are going to be. And so look, an obvious one, hopefully you're already doing is. Google AdWords are a great way to intercept somebody that's already looking for something, right? And they tend to be fairly effective. There may be other areas that you can look into. Are there online forums, Facebook groups? Um, the other place to look at for things like this, uh, and I don't normally like to talk about it because it's a secret that I don't like to share, but... Ooh, juicy. Yeah. Cora uh, is one of the most underexploited... Mm marketing opportunities out there. And why more brands, why more thought leaders aren't on Quora, I, I don't understand. But let's say, for example, you're targeting somebody who has a specific situation, cancer. Well, I, I don't know. I haven't looked, but I got to believe there's a gazillion questions on Quora. I just got cancer. What do I do? I just got thyroid cancer. I just got breast cancer. My wife just got breast you know, Whatever. There's a ton on there. And so... And this goes back to uh, radically generous. If you're an IP-based business, and virtually all companies are IP-based, intellectual property, intellectual capital, you have intellectual capital, intellectual property that's valuable to people. And so go and respond on some of those questions on Quora and begin to engage in conversation and dialogue about cancer, about, you know, my loved one just died. What do I do? Or how do you, I, I guarantee you there's a question called how to pick a funeral service. 
or funeral company or what have you, et cetera, et cetera. I, it's a massively underexploited thing and it's an opportunity to make a difference because you can contribute your knowledge in a way that will endear you to people and hopefully drive some business. And at the same time, many people will uh, experience your content and uh, and be helped by it. And I think that's very, very cool. And when you get a reputation on Quora, your shit goes boop, 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 boop. And uh, my, my buddy Dushka, I think she's at like 160 million views. And I'm not super active. I'm real streaky on Quora. And I, I'm just a hair under a million right now. And it's not like a thing I do very much of. I sort of something I, I do for a bit and then sort of forget about and do for a bit and come back to. The other thing that happens on Quora that most people don't realize, if your post uh, gets attention and people like it and they're upping it and they're thanking you or they're commenting or they're this and they're that, uh, just like on other platforms, it, it, it fires the algorithm. And then here's the other thing about Quora. They do custom newsletters based on people's interests. And so if you write good shit that's valuable and you sort of fire the algorithm and you're a good gal or a good boy on, on, on Quora, one day you log on to Quora and you get a notification that says, your answer to XYZ question was just emailed out to 10,000 people. And you're like, holy shit. For free. And so For free, they just do it because you wrote something yep. good. And so for those sorts of things where you're trying to essentially uh, intercept somebody who's having something happen in their life, good, bad, or indifferent, you know, whether it's I need an oil change for my Mustang or I just got, you know, horrible cancer and I'm terrified or and anything in between. Um, a lot of people go to Cora today. Um, and then the one other thing I'd say is don't forget YouTube. It's the number two search engine on the planet. All right. We sure hope you enjoyed that. We got one more of these left to go. So don't forget, join us on Facebook. You can just search for uh, Christopher Lockhead Podcast on Facebook. Join our Facebook group and send questions to blackhole at lockhead.com. We would like to thank our good friends at NetSuite. They're the number one cloud business system, and they want to help you manage your business with precision. To receive your free guide, the seven actions businesses need to take now, and to schedule your free product tour, visit netsuite.com slash different. As the economy revs back up here, you need every advantage that you can get. And that's NetSuite, netsuite.com slash different. And learn how you can turn data into doing and bring data to everything, every question, every decision, and every action with my dear friends at splunk.com slash D2E, S-P-L-U-N-K.com slash D2E, as in data to everything. If you're in the B2B space in Silicon Valley, you know one thing, your website is the face that you present to the world and often the first thing people experience when they're interested in your company. And that's why legendary B2B brands turn to Atrenet, A-T-R-E dot N-E-T. My friends at Socrates.ai are bringing the power of AI and machine learning to help you answer any question that your people might have. Imagine being employee awesome. And their definition of employee awesome is talk or text any question and immediately receive an answer with Socrates.ai, the world's first digital conversation hub. My friends at mission.org want to help you get into podcasting. I believe 
that virtually every company should have a podcast. And Mission works with you to create custom podcasts, sponsorships, and original content to drive business results. Visit themission.org. And my number one Amazon bestseller, Niche Down. Why not pick up a couple thousand copies? Uh, This podcast is a sole property of the Lockhead Oddcast Network. We'd love it if you shared it with your whole team. As a matter of fact, we've been getting emails and tweets and things along LinkedIn's and the like uh, telling people how much they're enjoying the pod, the, uh, uh, <laughs> the pod storm, the odd storm. And a number of CMOs and CEOs have been telling us they're sharing it with their entire teams, and we appreciate you doing that. Today's information is provided to you solely for informational purposes. Please consult your spiritual advisor, your doctor, and your dad before uh, acting on any of today's information. We are produced and edited by Jason DeFilippo, who you heard today. Jamie J and Sarah Knox do legendary technical execution and build Lockhead.com. Show notes by Diane Gervasio. Please remember, send your questions to blackhole at lockhead.com. The thought I'll leave you with today comes from Maya Angelou, who said, we delight in the beauty of the butterfly, but rarely admit the changes it has gone through to achieve that beauty. Thank you so much for the gift of your time. Please stay healthy, stay legendary. And until we're together again, follow your different.